Welcome to the Holistic High Performance Podcast with your host, Daniel Christofferson. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Coach James Lawrence, who's the founder, president, and CEO of Legerity Sports Performance in Covington, Washington. Coach James played football and ran track and field for the Antelope Valley College Marauders before earning a scholarship to Western Washington University, where he played football and basketball. He graduated from Western Washington University with a bachelor's degree focused in exercise science. In 2013, James left his full-time job to pursue his passion of training athletes. With more than 17 years of training experience, James has worked with a wide variety of youth, elite high school, collegiate, and professional athletes. James is a dedicated coach with vision and passion for each individual he works with. He not only equips them physically, but mentally as well. His commitment to his athletes pushes their performance to the highest level of excellence on and off the field. His two main slogans are compete or don't eat and grades get you paid. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. (laughs) We met a number of years ago through another coach, and I've always been impressed with you and what you've done and the athletes that you work with. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about myself and be a part of an amazing podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, We're just getting off the ground, but it is growing, and I'm excited about that. So you were an athlete growing up. Tell me a little bit about that and what that was like for you. Uh, growing up, I actually didn't start to play real competitive athletics until about seventh grade. My mom finally let me play basketball. You know, before that, we were involved in a church that believed a few things, and one of them being that you know it's not good for people to get into competition and you know things like that Uh so once finally my mom you know kind of came out of that and gave me an opportunity to be able to go out there and compete like i've always wanted to you know i was racing kids on the block playing basketball out on in the street and you know playing football and things like that yeah seventh grade is when it started i started playing with scaa basketball and scaa stands for seattle chinese asian athletics okay Um, and it was, you know, I mean, I, if, if you see me, I know you can't see me right now because we're on tape, but I can blend in in a few places. And so everybody thought I was Filipino for sure, you know. And um, But Coach Mark Shimamora was my first coach that I would say invested in me and spoke into my life and gave me an opportunity to be able to, you know, compete in a safe environment where I was welcomed, you know. So that's kind of where it started. Uh, My mom knew nothing about getting me over to YMCA and being able to play, you know, with Rotary Select and things like that. So moving from Seattle to Kent in mid eighth grade year, that's when I started playing for school. And so then once that started, you know, just spun from there, I found a niche in a few sports and, you know, the journey began. So how was that for you? Not being able to play younger and then finally kind of being able to have permission to go play. and I'm a strong believer in Proverbs 16, 9. A man plans his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. So I was supposed to play when I was supposed to play, you know, yeah. looking back. On, now, it's definitely influenced how I've involved my children, you know, in sports. And I think that, unfortunately, athletics and sports is a god to some people mm-hmm. uh, versus just something that they do. So identities can be wrapped up in it. So hindsight, I'm thankful. You know, yeah. my mom, you know, didn't let me play for a while. And then finally, when I was able to play, you know, it kind of gave me an opportunity to get out there and just 
play raw and I didn't come from a background of family members that were just involved in the community and athletics and just these, these pressures that a lot of these kids kind of are under. So it gave me an opportunity to be able to prepare in advance for my own kids and so that I can help them understand that really sport is just a prime opportunity for kids to learn life lessons while doing something fun. Yeah. So now there's definitely, you know, obviously there's money to be made and scholarships to be won. And fortunately I was one of those people, but the bigger thing about athletics is just, you know, the discipline that comes with it. You know, you have a goal, you know, you want to achieve either an individual goal if you're a track athlete or a team goal in other team sports. And, you know, in, in, in football, you do your one eleventh. in basketball, you do your one fifth, right. In track it's you. You yep. know, so those are my three sports and it gave me an opportunity to be coached by some of the best for me, you know, that helped develop me as a young man and who I am today. So, yeah, it's that balancing act of you didn't have a lot of support growing up around sports. Your parents didn't know things. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of missed out on that. But at the same time, you had the joy of not having the pressure and the kind of hyper focus around that. Yeah. I mean, I grew up riding my bike and, you know, skateboarding and playing out, like I said, you know, people on the block. And I did when I was younger get to see my uncle coach for Kent Knights. I think I was... I don't know, five or six, and I'd go to practice, but for whatever reason, I don't know. They never had me play. Okay. And fast forward the story. So my quarterback in high school was one of the kids that was on my uncle's team. And so once I told them who my uncle was, they were like, your uncle's coach Geppert? Like, yeah, it was my <laughs> uncle. I was running around over there. He's like, why didn't you play? I was like, I don't know, you know? So, but again, you know, the time wasn't until later. So, yeah. Yeah. So you got a chance to play, you got to go to college, you were playing in college. Tell me about that experience yeah. a little bit. I mean, coming out of high school, really my first scholarship opportunity was in track and field. Mm -hmm. And I made some, some young decisions, you know, as a kid, again, not really having the infrastructure for elite level athletics as far as the discipline that it takes in the classroom mm -hmm. and the strategic maneuvering in regards to where you play you know, who you play for and things like that. Thankfully, I was, you know, blessed with a level of athleticism where I could still go and compete. And if I got an opportunity, then, oh, yeah, you know, kind of a diamond in the rough, so to speak, you know, yep. type thing. And out of high school, you know, made some poor choices, ended up losing a scholarship opportunity, you know, up to the U for track. And, you know, again, life lesson, I wouldn't change it just because it helped you know, ground me as far as what I knew I needed. And so I actually got married before I went to junior college, which was the best decision of my life. Uh, my wife, Jamie Lawrence, AKA McBroom, I wouldn't be who I am today without her, you know, God bringing her into my life. She was the carrot, so to speak. And so well, it sounds like she brought a level of support. Balance. Balance and support. Balance, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, helped me almost sort of, you know, cleared my screen so I could refocus, you know, really figure out what I wanted to do. And she's so dope because she just, you know, she supported me. She was along for the ride and she comes from a family of athletes. You know, her brother's Jeff McBroom, who's local basketball stud and went through his own journey. And so we had a lot of commonalities together. And so she kind of knew what she was getting into, but didn't. 
you know, mm-hmm. because neither of us had been out of the home. And yeah. so we got married and a week later I reported to Ali in Lancaster. So we were now in the Mojave desert, you know, just us, no family around. And so as you can imagine, you know, freshly married and then mm-hmm. I'm a full-time athlete, full-time student. And I work about 20 hours a week, you know, all through college. So busy, you know, and then, uh, she got pregnant with JJ, you know, four months in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here we are now we're getting ready to have a young one at the same time. And I hadn't had, you know, word of a scholarship yet. I hadn't even really played a full year. So it definitely turned up the stress level, you know, but again, for us in our home, our rock has always been Jesus. And so I knew that he would, you know, make a way as long as we were good stewards and I worked hard. And uh, that's one thing that I definitely learned along the way, even though I didn't get a chance to play athletics as soon as others, mm-hmm. but I've come from, you know, a hardworking family. So both sides of the coin, you know, my dad's side, it's a different side, you know, for sure. Let's just say, you know, lots of entrepreneurs over there too, you know, but it's just, they work hard in a different way. You know, my mom's side, entrepreneurs in, in regards to corporate America. And so, you know, I've always grown up around people that, that work hard, you know, when they put their hands to something that they take pride in it. So So seeing that. You've got to bring that core value forward with you. And you knew how to work hard and you, you just told me you did. I mean, you're working 20 hours a week, you're training full-time, which is its own, you know, full-time job in and of itself. And then going to school and recently married and now you're expecting a child. Yeah. So that's a lot on your plate. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, I, I always tell athletes that come in and they say that they don't have time for certain things. I just tell them that, you know, you're speaking to the wrong one just because, you know, I give them a little bit of insight as to like some of the things that I did. And that was by choice for sure, you know, but it's a matter of if you want to do something, you will do it. You know, you'll find a way you'll carve it, you know, and your support system, your supporting cast will find a way to adapt as soon as they see that you're serious, you know, but it's when people are in that indecision in that gray area that there's a lack of support and a lack of movement. So you set some intentions and you had faith and you just kind of, you keep coming back to that and holding to it. And, you know, what's the next step you can take? Yeah. And I mean, really that's in life, that's all we can do, but you know, it's, it's a tra- sports, as you said, is a good training ground for that. Absolutely. You know, and you get an opportunity to be able to be around different people. And I've always been one to absorb cultures that I'm in, you know, and, um, when you get into different demographics and it's always fascinated me where people come from just because everyone has a story and a testimony and someone, I can't remember who said it first, but pretty sure it's my father-in-law, Dave McBroom, who side note is, I would say the most impactful man that's ever been in my life. You know, Jesus made himself real to me at nine. You know, I heard the scripture, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I gravitated to that. My stepdad, Mark Muller, amazing, amazing guy, showed me, uh, again, reiterated work ethic, but provision and providing, I'd say. But as far as who I am today, he definitely had a part, a strong part to play. And I'm so thankful for the time that I've been able to continuously be involved in his life as well. But my father-in-law just gave me a different outlook on things and where I really want to be, which is I wanted what what he had. When I first came to his house and I saw, you know, his family dynamic and not perfect by any means, you know, none of us are, but he loved God, his family loved God, you know, they, you can feel the love in, it was, it was a close knit, strong, you know, tribe feel. Here's a man that is being a good steward, 
you know? So for me, you know, when he said, you know, you can be wise or you can be smart and smart people learn from their own mistakes, wise people learn from others, you know, being around different demographics of athletes and people and families, you start to see certain decisions that were made and, you know, what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And I'm one of those that, you know, I don't care if they're, you know, 95 or 15, you know, I can learn from something, you know, so... So you had strong figures, you got married, you mm-hmm. had some more strong figures show up in your life and give you guidance, kind of a little shift in values there. Yeah. And then you got a scholarship to come back to Washington State? Uh, yeah. Univers- you know, Western Washington University? Well, what's funny is, you know, I started getting recruited from quite a few schools all over the country and because I had a really good first year at Antelope Valley. I ran a great 40, you know, the coaches, you know, love what they saw, but my past ended up kind of coming back to bite me a bit because, you know, when I first graduated high school and had a few poor choices that I had made, you know, I went to Highline and had an opportunity to kind of right the wrongs, so to speak, and wasn't quite ready, but didn't know that as soon as you enroll over 12 units that your division one clock starts. So I went for about a quarter and a half and then, you know, got out of there and ended up having to go and get myself right, you know? And then, uh, once I got back to the table and wanted to, you know, eat again, quote unquote, my division one clock had burned. So here I was with all these, you know, opportunities that I couldn't even, you know, return the calls cause I only had one year left. And after having that year left, you know, I kind of came to a place with some of the people that were in my life at the time where I felt like I needed two, you know, mm-hmm. so that was division two. So I ended up, you know, Western and, and it was Virginia, Western and Central were the only division two schools that were talking to me. Everybody else was division one until finally they figured out that I only had a year. And then I had Eastern and USC that were still there, viable options. And I ended up, you know, going D2 felt like, you know, here I am coming from Foothill Conference, you know, Antelope Valley. I'm playing against all division one talent dudes that are still playing on Sundays, you know, and I'm doing well. So I'm like, okay, D2, I'm going to have 2,500 yards, you know, and I get up to Western and some things shift, you know, I learned a lot about coaches and, you know, the recruiting process and what that looks like. And overall, you know, like I said, Proverbs 16, nine, you know, I'm supposed to be there and go through, you know, the time that I went there. Uh, it was definitely not 2,500 yards, you know, it was not this celebratory career that I was looking for as far as football and what I felt like giving me opportunities for the next level, which the in-game goal was, you know, obviously NFL, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that was me, you know, obviously, you know, I I definitely look back on it and there was things that I could have done that would have probably changed the guard a little bit. I'm married, you know, I was married coming into school. I'm there. It's more business than it was like leisure. And I think that was probably my biggest mistake. I feel like my first year, I should have done a little bit more looking to invest in more than just a few of my teammates. I got a couple teammates, Andy Olson, Chris Robinson. Those were my guys, you know, O.C. Moore, a few others that were, you know, people that I would spend time with. And the Andy was at my house four nights a week, but my wife was cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously, you know, you get home cooked meals. And so while you were a big fish in a small pond, in some ways, you didn't invest. At least in that's the, how I felt. You didn't invest in the community. Uh, Because football is a team sport. It is. At the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter. 
I just learned that no matter how athletic and, you know, advanced you are genetically, right, you still have to understand the game to a level of where, you know, because there was, there was people that, you know, my fastest 40, I ran 4.49, you know, but there were guys that were 4.9 that would run circles around me in the field because they knew more, mm-hmm. you know. And so I had always gotten away with being able just to just do what I do because, you know, I'm an you're, athlete. You're raw talent. Yeah. And then in California, the offense and everything that was run was so simple that it was like, okay, slant fade drill every single play. So more athletic, bigger player going to win, you know? And so when it came to a different level, different style of ball, it definitely exposed a gap that I didn't know how to seek help for, you know, to go sit down and, you know, you don't want to tell anybody, I don't know how to watch film, you know? And here I am at the time, I think I was 24, 23. Here I am, Mr. Grown Man, you know what I mean? Married, kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, dang, okay. I know how to read a triangle of a defense, but I don't know how to read the whole defense, you know? And like really be able to break the game down to where my 449 turned into 42. You know, mm-hmm. and so at Western, it just was, you know, it was tough because my wife, you know, was also going through it, you know, because it's, it's hard, you know, being away from home your first time. And I'm not the easiest person to get along with because I'm very structured and my wife is very the opposite. You know, it's funny because, you know, <laughs> people always say God brings people together who are opposite, you know, she's more laissez-faire, like, oh, you know, and me, I'm like under this stress load. And so I definitely know I wasn't very fun to be around at that time. Even being a dad in college with all that, it's just, there's so many things that I look back on that we talk about that I try not to look with regret because I know that the timing of everything is supposed to be what it was supposed to be, but it's just tough, you know? I mean, you know, college kid, you know, and then I had Jayla mid senior year and then we had Jayla having a daughter changed my life, you know, changed my whole perspective on a lot of things. And so it was just a lot to be in college. The other thing was I got my AA done in a year at Antelope Valley, right? Purposefully so that I could get up to a school and uh, maybe work into my master's a little bit. And when I got to Washington, I didn't find out that all of my GURs weren't going to transfer until I was already there. And I didn't understand that. And so I had to retake a lot of my general university requirements, which set me back in my academic progression. So I had to kind of basically figure out, okay, look, do you want to graduate with no school debt, right? Or do you want to stay here and work your original major and like just, you know, continue on? And so I flirted with a few ideas, you know, trying to figure out how, because I played basketball at Western and I'm confident that if I would have played another year, I had two more years left that I've been able to earn myself a scholarship. But you make these choices and these decisions and you're going through this process and you have these goals and these dreams and these ambitions. And then all of a sudden these curveballs get thrown in there and it's like, okay, well, what is this all for? And really at the end of the day, looking back on it now, I know that I went a different road so that one, I can relate to people, you know, that don't go the easy road. Well, you're going to take all that experience and all of those missing pieces and bring those forward. So to make sure that other people don't do that in their progression. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, for me, I mean, it was after I was done playing, it was kind of in school, it was kind of one of those things where my wife and I agreed that there's a lot of doors that were opening after I was getting a lot of workouts with teams and it looked very promising. This is still your 
NFL yes, ambitions? This is after Western, Western, right? I declined to go back and play basketball, which now I look back on. And again, that's one of the things that I don't like to use a regret word, but you know, I kind of wish that I would have finished that out. Now knowing what I could have done, it's kind of like from Antelope Valley, right? I should have taken that one year and went and played division one. And then if for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it didn't end up working out, I still could have went D2 and played a year, but I didn't know that. But again, that goes back to not having anybody that, I mean, I'm the first one in my generation to go to college and graduate, let alone play, you know, elite athletics. So it was just new, you know? And so kind of fast forward in a little bit to where now with my own kids, just making sure that they understand that what they do is not their identity. It's just something that they've picked in order to be able to learn life lessons but then also understanding if they do show promise and they do want to compete with wolves and have, you know, that elite experience that I didn't have. Well, there's a certain networking and understanding of where to place them. That's where I feel like, you know, my experience helps as far as my own kids, but also other people that, you know, when they come in and, you know, part of my process when I take athletes on is I take them through a two session evaluation. And before that evaluation, I sit down with the families. And what I really want to do is see the family dynamic, all amazing parents that only want the best for their kid, but you get what's called tiger moms and tiger dads that are, you know, my kid this, and he's going to do that, or she's going to do this and this and that. And I'm looking at the, looking at the athlete And you can always tell when it's a projection from the parent versus the athlete themselves, you know. Whether they have that fire in them, whether that's really their path or whether it's one that their parents have prescribed for them. I mean, yeah, you you definitely see that there's a joy, you know, for the kids to play, you know. But then there's sometimes where it's like the kid might not want to play, you know. They're just good at it, but they're like, "Mm, I'd rather go and do this, you know? Yeah. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity though, to learn from other families too, because I see the dynamic on both sides, you know, some that are, I would say that had lost a little bit of focus as far as like really what this is about, or maybe didn't have an understanding of it. And I've been able to provide some clarity or some uh, even ground peace where it's like, okay, what you're communicating, I understand what you're communicating, but this is how it's being received, you know? And so if we want, we don't want to ruin this then we have to kind of collectively just remind them that, hey, this is a game at the end of the day, you know, but what this is for. And then you see it kind of balance out. Then you get the other ones that are just chopping at the bit, you know, the athletes that are just growing, they just want it so bad. And then it becomes, you know, kind of an offshoot of where, okay, process, understanding patience, because we live in a digital age where every kid has a phone and, you know, if you want to know something, Google can give it to you right now. Well, in the world of sport, there is no quick fix. You know, there is no... I'll you have, put this you have like to go this. through the progression. Absolutely. And you know, I'm loving how animated you are right now. You obviously are in your zone because you're talking about this. And, oh. you know, I can hear, you know, all of those life experiences where somebody didn't sit down with you in your family yeah. and kind of go, oh, hey, here's, here's the big picture. Here's what we need to do. Here's the support system. Yeah. And how you bring that forward into the world yeah. in the work that you do. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, backtrack just a little bit. So NFL didn't work out for you. Right. You have two kids, you're out there working and then eventually in, was it 2013? Yeah. So I had, well, 2009, Josiah was born. So So. all my kids were on birth control. So let's just put that right. (laughs) So that's just, that's, that's God saying this is the appointed time, Mm -hmm. you know, and after 
because I had gotten my sixth concussion, right? So backtrack a little bit. So I had a very, very, very good workout with the Niners. And back when NFL Europe was still a thing, um, they were going to put me over there in NFL Europe. And that happened to be the same year that NFL Europe wanted to become their own entity. So they ended up opening up a draft board. Right. Okay. So what that did was that was really cool, you know, but at the same time for people like me that were slotted to come in on, on the practice squad, right. It eliminated the eight and made it five. So you can only have five, right. Mm-hmm. Five on the practice squad and you can only send three, right. To NFL Europe. And so it put me in a position where I had to go on the draft board and then it was, you know, here I am, I'm vying for a position that I have no film for, which is tight end, mm-hmm. right? Every team that I worked out with was like, yo, have you ever played tight end? And again, another R word, uh, my junior college coach actually brought me into the office one time and was like, hey, you definitely have a shot here, but it's a guarantee if you play here, which is tight end. And I took that as more of a challenge because that's kind of my personality versus listening to wisdom and which I should have done, you know? And so with that, I look at it as I had an opportunity to be able to make a certain choice that probably would have set me up for success in it being a little bit of an easier transition to have a true opportunity in the NFL. But at the end of the day, you know, fast forward, NFL Europe didn't end up working out. And so I got a call from Tom Gamble and he said, Hey, you know, we just want you to play somewhere, you know, just go get some film. And so I went and played arena and I got my sixth concussion. And then, you know, I prayed and I said, God, if this isn't what I'm supposed to do, have him cut me loose. I don't care how well I'm doing and I'll move on. And, you know, the next week they called me in and they said, Hey, we want to um, bring you back in a week. Because it's a number back then it was everybody played both ways. Basically they had one specialist on each side. Right. And so now it's a little bit different or it was, but they already had an offensive specialist and I told them straight up, I'm not playing defense, you know, because that's not why I'm here. You know, I was 250 pounds at receiver again. And so it was definitely God saying, Hey, it's time to hang them up. You know, and I cried, you know, I went home. The hardest thing was unpacking from when, you know, the family, because my, my, my wife and my two kids at the time were staying in my mom's two bedroom apartment, you know, with my mom and my sister. And so, you know, and they're over here while I'm over there. And so once we went and got our own spot and we're unpacking all of our stuff, I'm looking through all these photos and I'm going through it and I'm looking and it's like all of college and I'm looking at my kids and, and I just, I cried, I'm bald, right. And just broke because I didn't want to continue to pursue with this outcome because it was like, man, you know, I would have pivoted a long time ago, you know? Yeah. Cause I didn't want to regret missing my kids, you know, first couple of years, you know what I mean? Yeah. And cause I, I mean, shoot, when I was up and we were up in Bellingham still and I was training and you know, this is after school and I'm having these workouts I mean, I'm laying concrete, right. For 10 hours. And then I'm going and training with my buddy, Andy Olson, cause he had one more year, right. At Western and we're training and then we end up getting ready. You know, he's getting ready for his pro day. We both do the same pro day for Seattle and everything. Like I said, it was just, it was moving where it was like, yeah, keep going, you know? And so when it came to a screeching halt, I didn't watch football for a year. I started uh, working for a Vactor truck company, Everson's Econovac, and so I'm cleaning sewers. And one of the drivers, really dope dude, Mike King, 
you know, he took a liking to me because I worked hard, you know, and so I was a grunt, but I did everything. I didn't care. There were certain things that he knew I just didn't want to touch, you know, and which was so cool because he did that part, but I did everything else, you know, so we had a great working relationship. But, you know, after that, then I had an opportunity to go work with uh, one of my family members in their business. And it's always tough working for family versus with, you know, and so that segued me over to AC Moat Industries, which is an asphalt company. And Bob Moat gave me a wonderful opportunity to be able to you know, provide for my family and, you know, sharpen my craft as far as, you know, God's given me an ability to be able to navigate relationships with people. And so that was part of my responsibility. You know, I started out sweeping first, you know, so mm-hmm. I would drive a sweeper at night and then I'd work from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m., come home, and then my wife would leave for work. And so that was kind of our thing for a good year. And then I got, Bob found out that, you know, they had my degree and had some aspirations of doing some other things. And gave me an opportunity to be able to come in there and sell. And so I started selling for the asphalt company and, you know, things were good. And then the good Lord gave me an opportunity to go and work with my uncle. And my uncle Jimmy is one of those pivotal male role models in my life when I was a kid. And so, you know, it was like, man, I I couldn't wait. Right. And I'd already been working for him anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd do trade shows and different things like that. And so I had a knack for it. You know, I'd host some games for him. And then after that, I got an opportunity to be able to go and work with Taylor Barton at Barton Football Academy. And that is where I felt the Lord kind of shifting things and like where this is the industry that he wanted me in. And Taylor gave me an amazing opportunity to be able to uh, learn and grow. And I learned so much from him and his, uh, his experience as far as like, I mean, his dad, Greg Barton started Barton football Academy in in Oregon and Taylor took it to a different level. And then he, he let me behind the curtain and gave me some ideas as far as like, he always encouraged me to do what I'm doing now, but I always told him I didn't want to do this. I want to do something else. Right. <laughs> and so I always give him credit for that part. Cause I'll never forget that conversation and at red Robin and we're sitting there and he's like, James, you need to do this over here. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Right. And so coming full circle after that, you know, cause Barton football, it was seasonal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once the season ended up and then it was like, man, okay, what am I going to do? My wife's still working and you know, I know what she wants to do, things that she wants to do. And I'm still in this space of, I don't know, you know, maybe firefighting, maybe this, maybe that. And then I started training a couple of athletes, Connor Richardson and Colin Cassette. Those were the first two LSP originals, you know, and, and from there it ended up just, you know, I took what I've learned from my family's businesses, you know, my, my family's done a wonderful job of building their businesses based off of, you know, reputation and referral, you know, so. So you have a couple athletes you start working with and the next thing you know, your garage has become a gym. Yeah. I mean, that was, it took a few years, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm jumping a lot of fences. Um, you know, we're, we're in the dark uh-huh. <laughs> some places and, you know, it, it's familiar territory for some coaches that know who they are and, you know, you're in that grind and, yep. you know, you're doing what you can and you make and, it work where you can. Yep. And, and then the finally, hustle. yeah. And then I had an opportunity that really good dude, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get him in, in a space, but he knows who he is, you know, and uh, he, he worked at a local, let's just say, gym, and he gave me an opportunity to be able to work with a few kids at a time in a space where typically people don't let people do that, mm-hmm. you know, but he knew what I was doing and it was different than what they offered. And so he was cool, you know, and just kind of, which I'm forever grateful, you know, for that. And then from that point, I met... 
I would say, an earthly angel in Karen Say. And I think you know Karen yeah. and David Valadez, uh, Karen Say Valadez and David Valadez. And those two people, you know, really, I mean, I would have to say, I mean, it's all credit to God. You know, this is all God and we're all vessels, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everything that I've accomplished, quote unquote, it's not for me. You know, that's for God and that's for, you know, I'm just a vessel, you know, trying to do my part. But uh, those two people completely taught me a lesson that was really hard for me to grasp because, you know, I have my own history of, you know, we all have our own history of experiences. I don't want to, you know, hurts and different things like that and things that set you up for who you are, quote unquote, right? Me, the ultimate vinegar for me has been Jesus just because he gives me a different screen, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't filter things in people through my past. I, I instead give a renewed vision like he gave me, you know what I mean? And, um, but, those two, Karen Say Valadez and David Valadez, gave me a completely different outlook on possibility. And just these people don't know me. They don't really know me. You know, now, yes, I had an opportunity to work with, you know, their kids, which, yeah. and anybody who knows me knows that, you know, I take that to the utmost degree of humility honor and you know responsibility a coach's role is a powerful powerful role in any kid's life you can find out more about the holistic high performance and sign up for our monthly newsletter at holistichighperformance.com that's holistichighperformance.com So they saw your integrity. They saw your hard work. You know. They, you know, they recognized talent. I would, and they believed in you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, again, they saw something in me that I didn't see or believe in myself at the time. And really, Karen, Karen really mentored me to a space of where, to be honest, where we're at right now. I mean, period. You know, without So her, catch us up. Tell us a little bit about where you are now. Well, I'm in a 6,000 square foot facility and, you know, I've got 14,000 square feet outside fully fenced with, you know, turf outside and got a beautiful facility. And again, without God using Karen and David, this wouldn't be here, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm so thankful, forever thankful. They, They deserve every bit of gratitude, appreciation, words couldn't justify it. So, yeah, but I'm I'm in a space where the Lord's given me an opportunity to be able to do what I do in a safe environment that is, you know, I always tell people I'm not for everybody, you know, neither is my system, mm-hmm. right? And and that's okay. I'm good with that as long as other people understand that, you know, anybody who knows me or takes a second to sit down and have a conversation knows that my intention is always always to bring the best out of people. But sometimes people don't truth makes them uncomfortable, you know? And so when I tell athletes, don't listen to a coach that gives you quote unquote criticism, but can't help you fix it. Right. So anytime that I, you know, quote unquote, breaking down an athlete and helping them, you know, rebuild their structure, so to speak. Right. Tell them why I explain how, you know, and it's a journey we're all on as a family, as a unit. Let's bring it back to my evaluation process. And so I take them through an evaluation and then 
you know, what I always tell athletes is that evaluation is for you to see if you like my teaching style, you know, and me to see if the chemistry's right. Because when I bring an athlete into a session, there's a chemistry that's there. It's an experience, right? I want to make sure that athletes and families understand that so many people get caught up in a movement or a, a, the idea of versus when you sit down and you say, I want to play division one, you know, that's everybody. I want to play D1. I want to play D1. I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of good ball out there. There's a lot of good track and field. There's a lot out there. Right. So what I hear you saying is that you want to play at the highest level you can. Okay. So, you know, this, and we know as professionals, this comes down to gene code. This comes down to natural talent and grit and work ethic, right? Engineering. Engineering. Absolutely. Because it is, you know, as you've discovered, talent took you so far, but you know, you were missing some of those other pieces that, 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 that guidance that had that, you know, helping steer you there. And, yeah. you know, and then it is all the extra support that, you know, is there because the people who are at that I work with now, you know, I mean, they come in for body work, you know, they're seeing specialty coaches. There's, there's a whole team that's supported. And those are the kids that are on the podiums now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, the world really has changed mm -hmm. a lot. Who's going to get those scholarships? Because there's a lot of kids playing high school sports and a small, small number get to go on to college right. and an even smaller number of those get to go pro or, Absolutely. um, so, you know, it really is, you have to look at all of those pieces because if you're missing any of those pieces along the way from that holistic point of view, you do get tripped up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think, though, that because anybody who really has what we what we all label as dog in them, that means that they're gritty and they're shooting for it and they want to go pro, right? That's the goal. I want to go yep. pro. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yep. You know, I don't mean to sound corny, right? But it truly, truly is, you know? I mean, I always tell people, especially football players that come in, right? And they're like, you know, I'm going to play LSU and then I'm going to play in the NFL. It's like, okay, that's dope. But on average, how long does the NFL career last? Three years, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So you're what, 25? Then what? Yep. You know, so if you haven't taken the experiences that you've learned all the way up into that point and then been able to channel it into life after sport, right? Then that's a failure. The failure isn't not making it into the league. The failure is not being able to transition, right? Yeah. And so that was for me like where I didn't have a choice, you know, because again, I'm built, I'm wired where because of my experiences as a child, there's a few things that were just not going to happen, right? I'm not going to be absent from my wife and my kids, right? And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that they're provided for, you know, as a vessel, right? God provides yep. all, but me work doing what I can, doing my part. That part of it, you know, I didn't watch football for a year, but I went straight to work, right? Yep. It just, I applied my work ethic right into whatever it was that I was doing, right? And so I always try and encourage athletes and families to try and keep that perspective in a healthy sense, you know, for their kids, just because it's great to a spot. Like, I, I mean, man, like I said, anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm, I am my kid's biggest fan besides their mom, you know? I am. You celebrate your children yes. all the time, yes. James. That's so, what I love. I mean, if you follow your social media at all, it is all about your kids. It is all about your wife. I mean, you celebrate not only your kids, but I mean, your athletes too. Yes. I mean, when they come into your gym, it's like, hey, welcome to the family. Yep. And, you know, you put that out there. And so that celebration piece is huge. It's, it's, a, it's, definitely, it's a tribe, you know, it's a tribe. 
truly a tribe. It's a family. We, we laugh together. We cry together. You know, we pray together. You know, we, we celebrate together. You know, I know that the role that I play in certain athletes' lives is for a window. You know, not every athlete that I work with or even had worked with for years is going to end up, you know, staying in contact and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just... I know the role that I was supposed to play for the time that it was supposed to be played. Mm -hmm. So as long as I, you know, my thing is I just want when I stand before God that he says, well done. And that every opportunity that I had to be able to speak into anybody's life, that they know what I stand for. They know my character, you know, and really ultimately that doing everything I can to use my gifts and talents to be able to, you know, win souls for the kingdom. You know, at the end of the day, that's my life mission. So, you know, athletes and families that come in, uh, I got all walks of life, which is really, really fun. You know, it's it's cool to be able to, you know, like I said, I just love learning from people. And, you know, I, I, a lot of the kids don't understand that how I can learn from them because they're always in here learning from me. But small example, I had a couple of really cool dudes in here the other day, you know, upgrading some of the things in here in the gym because it was it was a dad and his son. Right. And they own, you know, the dad owns the company, obviously. And you can just, you know, see that dad was taking his son to teach him how to fish. Wasn't just throwing fish to him anymore, mm -hmm. you know. And it was so cool because I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm telling the kid, I'm like, man, I'm learning from you. I'm learning from your dad. I'm watching how you guys interact. And it's like, man, you know, because one day one of my kids, you know, are going to end up wanting to, you know, probably step into my field in some fashion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I think it's important as a parent that when we are investing in our kids, right, uh, right now, you know, obviously, you know, you invest in what the kids are interested in. And then the kids start to grow up and they understand like, all right, I got to get my own boat made and ready to sail. And, you know, I mean, and so that process and being able to, you know, watch some of these, some of these kids that I work with go through certain things with their families you know, I go home and I'm able to sit down and kind of look at my kids in a different way to where, okay, I've seen this go down like this and I've seen these interactions kind of, I don't want to do that. Or man, I've seen this and it's amazing. I want that, you know? So I kind of bring what some of the families have spoken into my life, you know, probably they don't even know it, you yeah. know, but as much as people say that, you know, I give as far as like what I do, I mean, I just hope that they understand that I'm receiving as well, you know, and I think that uh, my mentor, J. Michael Johnson, who I wouldn't be where I'm at as far as in my profession without that dude, I mean, he completely changed my whole outlook on how you work with athletes and, you know, that's my coach, Jay. But one of the things is, you know, he said two things, two things that really, really stuck. One of them was, James, as soon as you think you know it all and what you're doing, hang it up. And this is one of the best in the world in biomechanics, right? I mean, his work is everywhere. Dale Basquet, regarded as number one football coach in America for years, right? My mentor was his mentor, right? And so for him to say that, it made me like, man, okay, well, then don't take yourself too seriously, <laughs> you know? And then the other thing was, you know, would you rather play catch with a brick or a sponge, you know? So be spongy, Always learn, learning from everybody, you know, well, filter in the good, filter out the bad. You it's, know? it's that growth mindset that allows yeah. you to stay current and present. You know, I mean, we don't go out into nature. It's either, you're either growing or you're dying. Right. 
you know, and when we're out in nature, we're, we're seeing things grow. They're, they're always adapting and changing, right. you know, so we're doing the same thing. Absolutely. And when we get to that place that we do think we know something, we've stopped the learning process. Right. We stop listening. We, you know, we get, we become stagnant and then eventually, you know, the world keeps growing and changing and our methodology becomes outdated. It's yep. not, not current anymore. Yep. And so that growth mindset you have that you're always bringing, you're always challenging yourself. You're always, you're really listening to your athletes and like, what do they need? Yeah. And because they change over time, you yep. know, as each generation comes up, mm -hmm. what they need is different than what was before. Man, that's so spot on because these, you know, kids nowadays, like, I, I can't relate to as an athlete, to be honest, yep. just because there were things where it was like, you didn't have nobody to talk you through it. It was either you were going to be successful and work and go get it or next up, you know, which... One of the things about athletics is there's always another group behind you. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's, there's, yep. the next, there's the next group that's hungry that want it. And yep. so, you know, how do you utilize those opportunities? How do you take the best care of yourself, you know, so that you can play on your terms and well, get the best training you can get? Yep. And well, there's, there's kind of a disservice, you know, again, not putting names out there of any kind of, you know, in general, you get participation trophies that alone. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it changed the whole demographic as far as mindset wise, right? Yeah. Where coaches showed other kids that because of how they feel basically, mm -hmm. oh, well you feel bad because you didn't get a trophy. So everybody's going to get one. And it's like, that's not a reality at the highest levels. Yeah. Coaches don't care how you feel, right? They don't. There's only uh, one person at the top of the podium. Yeah. You know, now you have some coaches that are really, really, really dope coaches that have done a really good job of mastering the craft of putting a hand, you know, metaphorically speaking, mm -hmm. putting a hand on an athlete's shoulder and making them feel like, okay, skin to skin is what they call it. Right. You know, like, man, you know, I, like I care, but yep. you're still at arm's length, yep. you know? And then you have some that are like sink or swim, you know, next up, well, I'll recruit you next year, you know? And so when you get athletes or when I get athletes that come in that have sort of a movie mindset, it's, I have a duty to expose them to a different style of work where, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable when a coach gets on you, you know, and you don't know how to handle it. But I, what I always tell them is, you know, I'm going to sometimes challenge you to where you know, metaphorically speaking, again, you know, you pass out, you know, from that kind of like, oh my gosh, right? You to want where, them to know where their edge is. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm going to catch you with a pillow, right? And then stand you up and say, okay, now, so why did we go here? And da 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 da, da. And Other coaches, it's not, I mean, you're going to hit the ground and then get trampled on. You better get up and move, you know? So I'm trying to help athletes understand not only just how to fine tune their own personal Ferrari, right? their body, right? Mm -hmm. But also to know how to drive in traffic, right? Yeah. It's not an open road, right? I mean, you, a lot of, a lot of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful parents provide these open roads for kids to be able just to go full tilt, phew, you know, and that's dope. But the reality is for a lot of them and a lot of the ones that they're going to compete against don't come from that. They come from, they're not driving a Ferrari on the freeway. Yeah. They are running with one shoe on, still fighting tooth and nail to get to the same destination. That's a different type of mindset when you actually get there.
you know. And now it's a matter of because I mean, you got kids. This is reality speaking. You got kids that send their scholarship home. I mean, their scholarship checks home to mom to pay for rent and food and. You know, that is different than you being able to save your scholarship check and go and buy your family Christmas presents or whatever that is, which yeah. that's cool, too. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's something wrong with it when the mindset of expectation is that that's what it's going to be, you know, Yeah. because it's just not like that. You know, you have to continuously work, work to grow. Like you said, again, going back to Taylor, one of the things that I respect about Taylor so much is that it doesn't matter what's going on in the industry. He's always adapting. That was one of the things behind the curtain that I'd be able to see him just kind of, this would come up and he would shift. And it's like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. Da, 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 da. Now, you know, how I do things versus, you know, how TB does things, same goal in mind, you know, just, we're just two different people. You know what I mean? And you have your own unique spin on yes, it. Yes. I take some of the things that he does, you know, he, he takes some of the things that I do and he's learned from me. I've learned from him and but there's just people along the way through my whole journey that I can look back on now and see that God used as key factors to help me get to where I'm at today, which is again, here, having an opportunity to be able to invest in other people's kids and, you know, the future community of, uh, you know, well, currently Covington, greater mm -hmm. surrounding area, but kids are going to grow and they're going to move on and they're going to move on to different states. And hopefully some of the things that they learned here, they'll be able to take into life and it'll help them with maybe a situation that they're, when they're raising their kids and they're teaching them work ethic and, you know, they'll remember because that's the win for me. You know, I don't, I, I always tell kids like, and this is respectfully speaking, I don't care how your team did. <laughs> yeah. You know, I care as much as you care. Yeah. But I care about how you're doing because at the end of the day, I'm here to sharpen the puzzle piece that goes to the puzzle maker, right? So, yes, I want you to win. I want to celebrate all that. Yes, but again, the journey is making sure that your puzzle piece is sharp so that you understand that- You know where you fit. That's just one puzzle. Yeah. You know, that you're going to get into another puzzle where you're going to learn how to sharpen your own edges in order to be able to properly fit, but not- where you're compromising who you are and your, your own, you know, self. It's more of a, just knowing how to adapt, like what you were saying. So one of the things that I really appreciate about you, James, is that you practice what you preach. So I, I know that. we had a conversation earlier this year that you set some goals for yourself in yep. 2020. You want to, you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? Uh, well, you know, I kind of kept this under, you know, under wraps purposefully just because, you know, now that you asked and here we go podcast. Yeah. You know, I am going to strive for my own personal excellence in competing in the master's meets for the 110 high hurdles. So, you know, I've given myself five years. I'm 40 now. So the hurdle height actually comes down to 39 inches. Side note, there's nothing like 42 inch hurdles. I'd never felt a hurdle touch my butt. Right. Mm -hmm. And first meet in college, it was like, whoa, what is that? You know, so 39 inches is definitely something that I feel comfortable and confident in doing. And so, yeah, I've given myself five years to resupport the podium in Worlds. You know, a natty title is definitely coming. You know, if the Lord allows me to stay healthy and my body can hold up, you know, I've done a, uh, a decent job of taking care of myself. But I will say this, and this is not prompted just so everybody knows, but a little background, you know, I got into an accident with my oldest son about five years ago. I think it was five or six years ago. The good Lord created an opportunity for me to be able to go and see uh, Dr. Dan. And to be completely honest, like I can honest to God say 
I would not be able to do the things that I'm doing now at this age without the reset and the work that Dr. Dan did. And that is, I, I, like I said, I mean that I know my body and I know how I feel. I've been very in tune with my body for a long time, you know, and that full myofascial release gave me not only my height back, but my bounce. So as anybody who knows track, you know, that's true Ferrari sport. And when you do hurdles, I mean, you got to be able to jump. Everything's got a sequence. You got to find that right rhythm because yep. you, you don't get to be off. And the tendon strength has to be there, you know, the tendon health. And so, again, I, I appreciate everything that you do and the work that you've done and, you know, your approach to it and your systematic approach. I'm a system person. Mm -hmm. So your systematic approach to what it is that you do and even this podcast, you know, you've, you've got a system already set up and, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. You know, I know that, you know, you, you said that you appreciate you know, what I do and that I'm, I practice what I preach, but you know, I've seen that in you as well. And you always challenging me to shoot for it. You know, if I talk about, man, I'm thinking about doing this, it's like, okay, well, when's the next step and what are we going to do? And then it's the challenge on the end of it. First it was, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I want to do masters. I'm going to get a national title. And then you said, okay, well, what about worlds? <laughs> Push the envelope, right? You know, which is dope. What's the end? What's the end goal? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're so, going to put all that work into it, you know, that's right. One of the things that I frequently say to people is, you know, if you reach really, really, some people have a goal, you know, and what they think they can do, but it's like, you know, ask for what you want, reach really, really, really big. Mm -hmm. And even if you end up with a little bit less, you're going to still end up with more than the person only asked for just a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, what are you possible of? Yep. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, it's, this is just, it's something where for me, I'm doing it for, I feel unfinished business. You know, there's a few things that, like I said, back in the day that I feel like I could have done that had I've known what I know, you know, yeah. and so it's the good Lord, you know, continues to give me the health to be able to do it. And I, I strongly believe that I'm going to be able to attain those goals with, you know, Coach Cunliffe definitely a huge part of that. Coach Cooper, huge part of that. You're a huge part of that. You know, my so family, obviously. That whole team you've gathered around yourself. And it is that continual mindset and that growth. And, you know, you're really, you're out there showing to your athletes like, hey, I'm not just preaching this. I'm not just teaching this. You're out there doing it. I just, I feel like it's different when you get in the trench, you know, and there's just a different type of like, okay. Like he's doing this. So, How is and, you know, what's funny though is <laughs> because, you know, I'm training so much now, my athletes can, some of my athletes are preview to very few, but they're preview to me actually like in the session, like me training. And one of the things that was said was, dang coach, you know, like when I heard you talking to yourself, like it made me feel so much better. Like, because you talk to me like that. <laughs> but like when you talk to yourself like that, it was like, okay, all right, cool. Yeah. He talks to himself like that too, you know, because it's just, again, like I said, those uncomfortable accountability talks, mm -hmm. right? I don't have that here. You know, I yeah. have that in my own head, you know, in my own space and, you know, God holds me accountable. Jesus has always given me this, uh, refining process to where I'm constantly, constantly working to refine and be better, you know, at what I'm doing and who I am and, um, but it's no different. And as far as like me pursuing my own personal goals, you know, and this is kind of a selfish goal, to be honest, you know, there's other things that I could be doing. And sometimes, you know, I, I get these, you know, thoughts from the other side that, ah, why are you doing this type thing? But, um, I know for me, it's healthy. I feel, How has it changed your coaching? 
It's definitely, well, it's changed it in a, in a, in a couple of different ways. One, it's up the ante for sure, because it's like, look, I don't want to hear it, <laughs> you know, because yep. like I'm doing this, you know, so I know how you feel, Yep. you know, and on so top of empathy. that, I do. But at the same time, yeah, it's changed the empathy too, to where it's like, okay, I know how you feel, mm-hmm. you know? So when I see an athlete in a mental space, when a mental struggle where it's not a physical output, it's not a matter of question of work ethic or mm-hmm. anything like that, or understanding what it's going to take or things like that. That's different. That is a, all right, let's figure this out. You know, because those challenges are going to come up. People are going to doubt. You're going to doubt, you know. But at the end of the day, what do you do in order to be able to keep moving forward? You know, for me, an example would be, you know, again, I keep, I told you in the, in the write-up that Jesus was going to come up. So, you know, this is, he's going to keep coming up. (laughs) But when people talk about faith and I don't think that people are honest enough with certain struggles that they have and doubts that they go through, right? And so for me, you know, without getting too far into it, you know, because we're going to have people that have a disagreement as far as interpretation of scripture, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as, uh, you know, let's talk about everybody, money, right? Everybody talks about money. The Bible talks about money more than anything else, right? So for me, when it came to my struggle sometimes with, you know, faith in certain areas, my way is to tithe. Mm -hmm. That is my physical action to show that even in my time of doubt, that I'm putting my resource, my money where my mouth is, you know what I mean? Literally. Yep. And so for me, uh, the tithing has a few different, it holds a few different and very, very, very crucial, important places in my life. But that in regards to sport, it's athletes have to have something that they do in order to get them through the time of doubt, you know, where it's, you know, some athletes have where, you know, they'll go and they'll run. They'll just go out, put their hood on, put their music in, and they'll just run until they their body feels a certain way. Boom. Then they're back into their proper mindset, you know. So everybody should find their thing, quote unquote, to be able to get yourself into the mind space of back on track, you know, get back to your goals that you set. Know that the that the adversity is going to be there, you know, and keep pushing. Speaking of adversity, I got to, you know, talk about my son real quick. So, JJ, he's made me cry a few times this year. I'm not a crier, you know, but all of a sudden this past year, uh, maybe it's 2020 or something. But it's <laughs> like, you know, he told me the other day, he said, Dad, you know, I've become a friend of adversity. And as a dad, like, it gave me, I always, you know, with my kids, you know, they're, Love for Jesus has never been questioned. It's always there. Okay, dope. But when you are raised in a privileged environment, you know, you wonder sometimes if kids are going to take a little bit of a longer time in order to be able to show what type of grit that they've got, you know. And so that for me was just confirmation, you know. And my daughter, seeing my daughter, what my daughter has overcome this during the quarantine and during this past year. And my daughter's my quiet one. And so, you know, my two boys are pretty squeaky, you know, squeaky wheels get the oil, you know, uh, you've met Josiah, yep. I mean, Josiah, everybody loves Josiah because Josiah is just, you know, the cat's meow when it comes to his, you know, charisma and his whole JJ's, JJ's quiet, you know, but Jayla is really quiet. And so being able to see my daughter go through the things that she's gone, gone through and overcome the hurdles that she's gone through mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, spiritually, like all of it, like just 
the year, I think this is one of the things that we were going to talk about this year, the impact that it's had on me and my family has been a blessing. And I say that in all due respect with everything that's going on, because it's been, you know, obviously... It's a major world reset, and it is where do you find the silver linings and the opportunity, and everything's changing. Absolutely. And it's going to change, so either we sink and, you know, either you adapt and you change like we've been talking about. So, you know, those skills that these athletes have learned, they're something they get to take with them into their everyday lives. Absolutely. it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, I mean, in my industry, it's definitely ravaged my industry as far as like, you know, shutting down gyms, you know, we had to shut down and, you know, it's been, again, the silver lining, you know, I got to get back out on the fields. And so being out there on the fields, it reinvigorated this, like, it gave me this, like, ah, I miss this, you know? So I got to scratch this itch that I didn't even know was there, you know? And so, um, there's been so much growth just being able to, and then again, you know, Josiah not losing the sparkle, you know what I mean? During this whole time, you know, we always say that as a family, we all have a way of being, you know, getting our jaws locked tight. You know, I have obviously, you know, I lock my jaws down, you know, my wife has her times, you know, JJ has his times, Jayla has her times, but Josiah, he is constant joy and always has the positive silver lining outlook. And is always just, you know, so again, all the kids being born, Josiah, just so everybody knows, was not supposed to be here because of, you know, things that we were told by doctors and things like that. So he's definitely truly, truly, truly in more ways than one, our miracle child. So I'm thankful for them. You know, I wouldn't be who I am today without my wife and my children. You know, they inspire me to be better in all aspects. Every family, every kid that I'm able to be able to, you, I mean, everybody that I'm able to interact with and just learn from, you know, it's just, and like you said, you mean, you either, you either grow or you die, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I choose to grow, you know, I choose to keep moving and, you know, when there's no water, the roots go deeper, <laughs> you know, exactly. we're going to go deeper. We're going to get some water, some moisture somewhere. Well. I just want to thank you for being on the show today. I We could continue talking for a much longer time. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you're just getting warmed oh, up, yeah, I can yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling really bad about yeah, like no, slowing us down now. It. But yeah. I know you're a bit of a private person. And so I just really appreciate you being so open and candid and willing to kind of put yourself out there in this way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I mean, it's it's... Anytime that people that I've let into my circle ask something of me, you know, I'm going to do everything I can, you know, private or not. Once you get past the curtain, I'm not too private, you know, in that sense, you know what I mean? But it's just getting past the curtain is typically something that, you know, I'm pretty, I just keep myself and my family and my thoughts and choices and opinions to myself, you know, unless someone asks. So, well, you have a lot that the world needs to hear. I'm glad that you came on board and were able to join us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, as always. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you again another time. Okay. Thanks Sounds so good. much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Holistic High Performance Podcast. You can find all the past episodes of the show by visiting holistichighperformance.com. Please subscribe to the show to listen to future episodes. We release new episodes every Monday and Thursday. This show would not be possible without the help of our team. We wish to thank our executive assistant, Harlow Brummett Dunn, our producer and chief technical officer, Dan Harmon of DH Productions, our podcast mentor, Angel B. Hartwell, the host and executive producer of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, 
Our theme music was composed and arranged by Luca Millard Kish. On behalf of the whole team, we wish to thank you, our listeners.